what's your perfect first deer hunt experience? If I could have written it out and said, this is how I want it to go with my daughter on her first trip, couldn't have been better. I hear something and I look over and that bear is already at like 35 yards and he is racing into us. Any part of the bear that you can is going to be super tender. It's just got that fat already there and it doesn't turn on you like it does in just a freezer. There's going to be a time for people to really get to know each other and have those little one-on-ones with the presenters. You know, when we cut out and Birch Barrel is there making our our dinners and cooking over the, the barrels. This is Ryan Lampers and you're listening to the Wild Initiative Podcast. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. I would rest at peace for eternity if my legacy was that I made a positive influence on the non-hunting public about what hunters are and what hunting is. I finally got my buck on our last real day of hunting. So a pro-hunting organization is voting against hunting. And that says anti-hunting to me. There was a year straight where I was averaging up to 200 death threats a day. And I hugged it. Like, I just wanted to hug a bear. It's proven that the average steak in a grocery store touches 50 to 100 hands and machines. And we're putting that into our body. Hey, y'all, Cable Smith, host of the Lone Star Outdoors show here. This is Adam Weatherby. I'm Corey Jacobson with Elk 101. This is Christy Titus. Hey, folks, this is John Bear. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, y'all. So getting into today's episode, I'm hanging out up here in a very familiar spot. Not that any of y'all can see it, but uh, I am up here in Three Forks, Montana, hanging out with the one and only Ryan Lampers. Ryan, thanks for thanks for sitting down, having me up again. I didn't even have to travel. <laughs> you came to the house today. Yeah, this is too easy. Kind of nice. Yeah. We, were, we were joking earlier that the girls are going to come home. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, he's here again? <laughs> he's back. <laughs> Uncle Sam, he's probably going to be here for a month. How, how long is he just staying this time? <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Like, I was saying I need to show him my Montana driver's license and be like, 
I'm, I'm, I'm moving in guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Paley, we were talking, she's, uh, she's 12 now and she's getting older and she's got that eye roll down incredibly well. <laughs> she's, uh, she's become very good at like picking out all your little flaws and, if you say something a little bit wrong, she's at that age where she catches you. You got to be, you got to be on your toes with Paley right now. It's oh fun. man, she, you, you've got a teenager coming up pretty mm, quick. We're close. I feel like we're already there, oh, and God. it's come so fast. All of a sudden, like <laughs> hair matters, and the jeans you wear matter, and that wasn't the case a year ago. Oh, None man, of that just, mattered. Just wait till she's really embarrassed of you when you're doing stuff out in public. Yeah, you know, and. Honestly, Sam, I'm already seeing it, and it's a little heartbreaking because, you know, I still think of her as my my little girl, and you know, I've got my little my little five year old Tana, and she'll still let me hold her and hold her hand, all that kind of stuff. But boy, I just even throw my arm around Paley these days, and she, you just feel like cringe, and she just wants to wiggle her way out of you. Oh, Dad. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. Thankfully, I have a little to. Uh, that still allows me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, and I, I can't remember if we even, t- I, we must have talked about this on the last podcast, but I remember it was just so funny when I was, when I was here the first time and, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of helping, like, uh, you guys were, you guys would be out and, um, yep. you know, I, I, I know, um, you know, the girls would be coming home early and, like, oh, hey, just make sure the girls are alive when you get home. And I remember coming in, they're like, Sam, Sam, there's, a, there's like a mouse or a bird or something, you know, in the, in the garage. And I, I just remember the whole adventure of trying to locate this mouse or bird or whatever it was squeaking away in the garage. Oh, man. And then I just remember... <laughs> You should shoot it. You should shoot it. That's and classic like, Tanner right there. I'm like, yeah, who's, whose daughter is that? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That is, yeah, that is definitely it. a young Lampers right there. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to be quite the, quite the hunter. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure at this point. You just let them make that decision themselves. But yeah. I got, I've got an inkling that she's going to be like pretty hardcore when she gets of age. Well, it's just I love those pictures because it's like – you see it in her face. Like, she has that face that, like, she gets intense and invested. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you see the, like, the little videos and pictures you share where, like, you're cooking a steak or you're processing something or, you know, you're bringing out a skull and she is all about it in her pink tutu or whatever mm-hmm. it happens to be. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's usually some type of princess dress. I mean, usually yeah. we're on a hike, she's in a princess dress. We're shooting porcupines, she's in like a princess sweatshirt or princess dress. <laughs> something but now she's uh she's a ton of fun and she's very perceptive like she she notices everything picks it up most kids do but um the the one thing that'll be interesting with her like she hates blood like really she's always had this thing for blood like she just it's like oh blood dad you know and it grosses her out so that'll be that'll be interesting if she kind of outgrows that but um She's fascinated with blood, like coming out of a cut of hers, even if it's just a little paper cut. Huh. It's like the end of the world because there's actually blood <laughs> <laughs> there, visual. And so, ah, I don't know. We'll see um, how it all pans out in the end. But she's five now. And, uh, you know, Paley, we got her out on hers, our first hunt. She was 11, and she's 12 now. So we got a lot of years left. 
Well, and she just she just took her first deer. So, yep, Paley and, took hers this last season, and and it's interesting. Like Montana, you know, um, she was able to hunt here prior to having her hunter's ed card because they have that mentorship program here. So I went in and got the papers down mm-hmm. at Fish, Wildlife, and Parks and signed them up, and and they can hunt with you between ten and twelve, and then. After that, you you can take your, at 12, um, she took that hunter safety card right when she turned 12, basically. So now she'll be, you know, buying the regular deer tag and now she can get an elk tag and a bear tag and whatever she wants to get. Um, so, but yeah, we got her out last year on her first and now she's all carted up with her hunter safety and um, we just went through that couple months ago and it's actually pretty interesting now with with that they don't have in-person field days mm-hmm. with covid so i feel like we got gypped a little bit like we just <laughs> did all of it on the computer we didn't do anything in, in you know in person but yeah we just did it from the from our house here so different well, that's one thing i was talking about with my neighbor is you know we're uh we were talking earlier you know he picked up his first bow recently but he went and got his uh his hunter safety as well and because it's He's done it before uh, in, uh, I can't remember where he said, like Colorado or something. He, mm. he went, he's originally from Colorado and uh, he went and got it there, but they couldn't, he couldn't find his card and he couldn't find the record of it all, blah, blah, blah. So he's just like, I'm just going to take it again. And yeah, Montana's doing everything online right now, mm-hmm. which to be honest, if somebody new is trying to get into hunting and they want to do it the least impact, like the way that requires the least impact. Right. Hunter safety has 100% reciprocity across all states, from California to New York to Florida to Washington. It does not matter where you get your hunter safety mm-hmm. or your bow hunter safety if you have to take a bow hunter course. Yep. It applies anywhere. So you technically you know, don't have to get it in the state that you're a resident in. No. Um, so say somebody does, you know, some of these states that do have in-person courses – they could take their hunter safety online in Montana yep, or knock it out in a weekend here. A ton of these other states that allow yep. you to do them online. Yep. And bada bing, bada boom, you use that and, mm-hmm. and you're good to go. Um, yeah, I, it's interesting. It's been, geez, 37 years since I went through my hunter safety course. It was kind of interesting <laughs> to re up on some of the things that, that were in there. Definitely just changed. But um, yeah, we kind of went through it together. And yeah, I spent, spent a lot of time. It was a long weekend that we did it and she did take a little break from it, uh, before she had the final kind of walk through it was like a, not an in-person, uh, test, but it was kind of like a, I think it was like, I don't know, 90 questions or something at the end there that she went through. It kind of reaffirms all the things she learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. Definitely. Um, I, I went through it with her and realized I probably would not ace this test. <laughs> I've hunted a lot of years. There's some things here. Um, well, there's there's a few things that I questioned the answers to, and there's there's a lot of things I just, I guess I forgot. I, you know, I remember, and there's a few things, you know, if it was anything like the one I took, and I, I assume they're, they're fairly cohesive imagine. across the board. Like, they're, yeah. you know, it's it, generally the same stuff, but um, I do remember there's some that I'm like, Really? <laughs> they, when they asked the question, there was a few that were kind of uh, up a little bit up to interpretation. Could have been, could have been could two have answers been that were correct. I think. Either you know one was maybe more correct than the other. But well, here's two questions. For example, that stuck out for me. One of the questions on the final was, "What is a dilemma?" And I'm like, 
vocabulary lesson? Like, <laughs> has this got to do with what is a dilemma? And so she had to, you know, have the A, B, C, or D, uh, the definition of the term dilemma. Um, and then the other one that I still kind of blows me away a little bit was uh, basically, you know, what's true with steel shot over lead shot? And one, I think answer A was like, you know, steel weighs two thirds the the weight of lead. Okay, true. And then B was some crazy answer, you know. Yeah. And then D was some crazy, but C was uh, steel is like something like less heavy, so it's it's more unstable. Like steel is less stable in the air as lead. And I thought that's true as well. Like I would have picked A or C. Yeah. But you can only pick one. So <laughs> that well, both answers are true. And fortunately, picked the first one and got it right, but could have went either way. Yeah, that's it's it, that's one of those things when it's like, okay, you have to pick the more true answer. The more true answer. I'm like, that's ridiculous. I Just wanna, give me a... <laughs> yeah, I want absolute, like, no question. This is yeah. the answer. But. Just give me the ridiculous answers and then the one that's right. Yeah. But it was fun. We went through it, and she's now got her card, and now we've got a lot of fun ahead of us. So I know, you know, for a lot of a lot of guys, you know, especially you know, it's kind of almost a, a a foregone conclusion. You know, guys have some son, you have a son, you know, you want to get him into hunting. A lot of guys, you know, you've got two daughters and you're an avid hunter and uh I'm sure you'd like to see them fall along in your footsteps. So what's uh what's some stuff that you would um you would share with with other guys mm-hmm. as far as like introducing kids into hunting yeah that's always been like a kind of a a big question right is to how do i how do i do this right so that they want to do it or that they have maybe a little interest in it because the big fear is they're just going to absolutely despise it and hate it and so um yeah i've talked about this before i remember thinking back like what got me so into it what got me 100 percent bought in like i want to do this thing i want to go with my dad on every trip he goes on from 10 years old and my dad what my dad did with me sam was he went on all these trips before i was legally allowed to go hunt myself and he'd come back with stories and you know pheasant quail and birds and the black-tailed deer and he's you know he just lay these out and then i get to hear about them I was like, man, you know, this is the coolest thing ever. So he didn't really take me a whole lot when I was little, even on the bird trips. He could have, but um, maybe he was being selfish and he just wanted to get those <laughs> last few years in on his own. On his own. But I think for me, um, with my personality, I guess, it, it tripped something to where he kind of held it away from me at a distance. And then when it was finally 10, it's like, all right, now you can go. And so I was all in. Like, it didn't matter what it was. Um, even if it wasn't a, you know, an action-packed trip, I was a hook, line, and sinker. And I think that's the question. Like, is it, uh, is there a downfall to maybe bringing them too early? Or is that what's going to get certain personalities to really fall in love with it? Um, you know, I don't, I've taken my girls, you know, at their ages on quite a few little, like, day trips, you know? Um, nothing crazy, definitely very aware of not getting them out into harsh conditions. 
that's <laughs> that's a major like let's just not do this this is just you're not you're not taking back. them up on the ridge during the lightning storm no 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 lightning storms no <laughs> massive like minus 20 degree systems that roll through montana none of those come on just girls let's go to grizzly to country <laughs> <laughs> you want them to be comfortable warm and you always want snacks you have that covered and you also want it to be entertaining so even if you're not seeing game, pointing out all the things that they don't see on a daily basis, like tracks, sign, you know, mm-hmm. scat, stuff like that, deer rubs, elk rubs, looking for things or building, um, you know, a checklist or a treasure hunt type thing. Just keeps them not getting bored. I think getting boredom is, especially with today's age, right? Mm-hmm. It's like go from one thing to the next. So um, back in my era, it was it was just power for the course. <laughs> yeah, there's just not so many things going. We weren't tuned in. We didn't have these phones and always on the computer, always on to the next thing. But nowadays, I think that's definitely changed. So keeping them entertained is a big part of it. Um, but you know uh, what I've seen is, and and I've said this, and Hill and I have had these conversations. Like, what if they don't like it? And, I couldn't care less if they don't. Like, if they didn't want to go, Paley didn't want to go on her first deer trip, fine with me. You know, love her still. It's just not in the cards for her. Um, but I was very fortunate that she did. Now, obviously, you want them to. You hope they can because yeah. selfishly, you're going you're gonna to be able to teach them a lot of things. You're going to be able to share in these, you know, events. and um, You know, you're going to be able to teach them a lot, not just about hunting, but life lessons and working hard and endurance and you know there's this goal and prize at the end if you work hard there's a lot of value in it i think um and so i'm very fortunate that my first who came of age decided she wanted to try it and um and then you know as we went into last year's hunt it could not have gone any better yeah like i made sure of those things i was worried about the weather made sure you know i run like a 7900 cubic pack so i can get yeah extra stuff in there and you know my wife hill came with me on that one and it was great but we uh you know we had all the snacks there and things that would make her comfortable and then where we probably screwed up a little bit is at the shot because we were literally had to wait for this buck to stand up you know this buck was an hour and a half of us sitting there waiting with cold wind in our face mm-hmm. before the buck stand stood up and she just made a perfect shot and we're like piling clothes on after the fact you know <laughs> she's already shaking we're all shaking it was cold um and there's a video of that and a lot of some folks have seen it but it was kind of cool and how it went out or worked out she got a pack the organ meat out we kind of all shared and packing that out of there and um yeah, got a good fire at the end of it. Got a good night hike out of it. Nice. It's kind of like you just picture perfect first deer hunt experience. It's like the textbook. This the is textbook. how it's how it's like, written in the manual. I could have written it out and said yeah. this is how I want it to go with my daughter on her first trip. Couldn't have been better. And my wife got to enjoy it as well. Yeah. And she hadn't really experienced any of that either. So she got to be there with, with Paley when she, you know, got to walk up on that deer and but you got to shoot the deer. Um, in fact, my wife was kind of holding the camera on Paley when she did shoot the deer, and it was really cool. But I think uh, I think everybody got a lot out of that trip, seeing how it all went. 
But and the other thing was we took her to a game rich environment. So yeah. there weren't these like big delays in seeing animals. Um You're not going after that one specific deer. Right. As long as we get to a spot where we can see some bucks, Mm -hmm. a a good amount of bucks, that's what we want. Numbers of deer, numbers of animals, even if it wouldn't have been deer, maybe we're out in speed goat country, we're seeing a lot of antelope or elk or whatever, but I wasn't going to take her up to like Northwest Montana where you're (laughs) fighting to see a buck in three days, four days. Um, It's thick and not much glassing and... You know, it just doesn't seem like fitting for yeah how I wanted this to go. And, uh, yeah, so worked out great. But that's my only advice is figure out who they are and what's going to work best for them because I was hoping mm-hmm. doing it the right way, but apparently it worked. <laughs> <laughs> but they, you know, they've been on a lot of trips with me, uh, younger, not actually hunting, but, um, you know, Tana, she's, we go out and just do these little day trips around the valley here for mostly porcupines and things like that. Yeah. Um, non-game animals. Actually, I, I tell, I talk about you guys a lot cause, uh, my porcupine story from hunting mm-hmm. in Montana comes up often. And, you know, I think a lot of people are like porcupine, like mm-hmm. really? I'm like, well, you know, I got a buddy. He, uh, <laughs> like, he, you know, he and his, yeah. he and his daughter, that's like their favorite thing to go out and do. And they, oh, man. it makes a, a damn good stew for sure. It is a great little fun animal to go for if you have kids. Yeah. Um, you don't have to worry about the wind. You don't have to worry <laughs> about, you just got to find them, right? And then, you know, they're pretty easy to, to, to take down. Don't require much of a pack out. <laughs> no. no and it's nice having a thick pack really when you tasty. do. But <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, definitely some things learned with the little porcupine hunts. <laughs> what I have my daughter do, and Paley's a master at getting them out of the woods she just we just put the dog leash on the wrap it around one of the front legs front feet and carry it out drag it out but um they're not that scary once you've a lot of people are like well how do you how do you deal with it is it gonna shoot its spines at me yeah no 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 you're fine (laughs) haven't been poked yeah they're you flip them on their on their backside and um they skin out like anything else and yeah it's surprising um you get a you get a medium to large porky and you get a lot of meat out of it it's, like you do they're a lot bigger than i think people realize like we're used <laughs> to heavy I've, i'd never seen one until a few years ago mm-hmm. when i was here hunting and all of a sudden like like this thing's way bad i mean he was a hefty porcupine mm-hmm. like he was a fat guy um but they're way bigger than you expect i think initially oh, like yeah. from watching cartoons as a kid or something oh like that. yeah no they're they got some weight to them for sure and you'll find every once in a while you come across just a giant um, but it's fun, you know, when the kids are just have a day to go out and do something like that, just looking up in the trees and, you know, usually we're probably not the smartest to take the dogs cause you know, you hope the dogs don't get poked. Yeah. But, um, we've definitely had that several times and some dogs learn, some dogs don't, <laughs> but, uh, I've got one older gal and she'll bark when we come across the porky. She kind of knows the game. Nice. So, but you hope to see them up in the trees where where they're easy to find. Yeah. But tons of fun over the winter months because um, the other thing about porkies, like in the winter months, they it's cold all night. They'll run up the tops of those whatever cottonwood scrub, um, buck brush, Russian olives are notorious for having them, and they'll sun themselves and they'll get a little heat 
up on the tops, grab some sun, and um, that's why we see them up on the tops there. Okay. Yep, in the winter. But you know what? I like just how you kind of introduce them to the, the fun, the exciting stuff that, you know, you present all of that, the things we really enjoy about hunting in a, an accessible way and effectively let them make their own decisions. You know, it's because I think forcing someone to hunt is probably the quickest way to turn them off to it. I have, I have a, a good friend and uh, her son, uh, you know, she hunts and, you know, she wants her, her son to hunt and uh, her her ex, the uh, the boy's father, um, is big hunter. He's got a YouTube channel. You know, it's all all about it. Like that's that's his life. And right. he's like, my son's gonna hunt. Her son's kind of a sensitive kid. Mm-hmm. He's doesn't really like the idea of killing animals. Right. And so she had gotten him into archery. Just hey, you can go out and you can have fun and shoot. But the second he got his bow, his dad was like, you're gonna go kill this animal, and like mm-hmm. stuck him in front of him and was like, shoot, shoot, shoot kid never wants to go hunting again mm, yeah, that's and i mean deal. it's like it's, it's too bad. so the opposite of, of how it should be you know yeah, yeah absolutely yeah but, it's too bad i mean i'm sure there's a lot of that out there for sure um you know guys we can be guys yeah <laughs> and but i think if you step back and think about it it's like hey some are just this is not gonna sit well with them don't push it just let it happen if it yeah if it's meant to be it's meant to be and they'll they'll come to you but um and then in saying that though maybe there's some kids that need a little push into it but i don't know i'm kind of on the mindset that uh it's something they want to do it's they'll tell you about it yeah they'll have some something that wants them to get into it versus uh, I would never just be like you're going <laughs> you're going and you're going to shoot a giant <laughs> just sit him down and be like pull the trigger now nope. Yeesh. no but. no it was cool with paley on hers too was, um i think her first yeah it wasn't a requirement her first ask was she wanted to get something with big ears and so that was the only like thing that she wanted out of it like something she wanted to get one with which all that means is sam is it had to be a mule deer i was gonna say right? so you're hunting mule deer yeah this is a very anti-whitetail hunt she <laughs> stipulations that uh, had to be a mule deer big ears and um yeah of course we get out on that hunt and you know there's only mule deer around they all got big ears and then the first buck that came in you know we had a great opportunity it, it, it had seen movement tops of our heads working through some sage and you know it's middle of november or whatever it was rut young buck two and a half year old buck um sees movement they're looking for does he stomps on in real easy gives us a nice broadside paley set up and um we were kind of like is she going to take it or is she not going to take it at one point she decided she was going to take it and we're like all right and then she decided it's not the one. And prior to that happening, we were actually on our way to get this other buck that we had seen. And he was a little bit older of a buck, you know, mm-hmm. a little bigger frame on him, bigger rack. And uh, maybe that had something to do with it. But it was also the first night in that we were going. We had some days to, to yep. work this. And I, I, that was like the best choice she could have made because now we got this whole other day to go out and really spend more time glassing, 
learn the layout of this, kind of see how we see a buck from a distance, how we negotiate getting there, the stock, how we get set up. There's just a lot more to it when we had more days to, to have her out there. And then Hill got to see that as well. So it worked out really good that she uh, got a little snobby on us and got a little picky <laughs> and wanted to take one that was much older. Um, and right behind us here is, is the buck that she took right there. It's an there old buck. He's an old regress. And um, he's probably two years past his prime. And, you know, just he had the biggest body and kind of um, it was funny watching him because I had seen this buck before is he would just like bristle up and just walk other bucks out of the territory. <laughs> he'd just see a buck and he'd just stiff legged and bristle and puff up and he just looked like a linebacker out there, you know, <laughs> walking these other younger bucks or or even bucks that have larger racks, but he was just crusty and old and crotchety and and so um it was really the perfect buck to take out of there. Yeah. And so we got a nice old mature had the big ears. It had all the things. Yeah, because he's got the big ears. <laughs> so it's cool. Checked the box. It checked all the boxes. <laughs> made me happy. Made her happy. There you go. Well, man, but so we're coming up. It's, you know, end of March right now. We got we got black bear season coming up. We were just talking about that a bit ago. When, when does, I forget, when does the season officially start here in Montana? 15th. 15th. Yeah. Weeks yeah. away. Literally weeks away. That's right, because I, I think I've got like a, a week and a half. Uh, my residency officially kicks in like a week and a half before the season starts, mm. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's boy, that's close. But the nice thing is, is um, you know, a lot of these places or a lot of the the best areas that we found here really don't really pop till May. Yeah, you know, with just the elevation we have here, it's it's almost better to. I mean, there will be bear seen. Um, right out of the gates in certain places, but um, definitely treat Montana a little bit later than a lot of other states. Mid to late May is when seems to like a lot of those passes where some of the older, more mature boars are that you need to get into. They tend to open up a little better at that point. I mean, and I mean beyond, I guess the just the snow melt and the passes opening up mm-hmm. is. Uh, when when it stays cold and you know i guess we'll see what kind of happens over the next couple of weeks right um it's like it'll be snowing in the morning and then it's like sunny and 50 in the afternoon it's been unreal like yeah. today even it, it was it, snowing <laughs> yeah it was snowing a little bit and then it, but you look outside it looks like summer yeah oh yeah no snow like on the ground it feels like gardening season sam oh yeah <laughs> like but then again, you go stick a shovel into it, and it's, it's frozen <laughs> ground. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, I think we're going to have like 63 degrees some point this week. Jeez. It's crazy warm. So, it's like, how does that? How does that affect beyond again the passes opening being mm-hmm. open or closed, and for them for travel corridors and whatnot? But like, how does that affect? Yeah, what they're doing coming out of. I think I think uh, you know this year will be interesting because the mountains are loaded with snow. Like, we have a crud ton. We're maxed out with snow up there, right? Um, we just didn't get much down here. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be probably in line with most most years, I think. Um, you know, it's all about that elevation. It's all about uh, the green grass. And, you know, I hike every day up on the mountain. You can almost see it from here out the window. And um, 
I just put like three, four, five miles on every day. And I'm up there at 5,300 feet, and I'm already seeing green popping. You mm-hmm. know, there's green grasses starting to show. Now, of course, you know, this time of year, you never know what's going to happen in Montana. Uh, we could have insane cold here all next week. But it just feels like it's a little bit earlier than most years. So maybe we'll have a little bit better bear hunt. Um, maybe those bears will come out of the den a little bit early this year. But, um, you know, those those upper elevations, it's just going to be where that, where that green, you've heard people call it the green wave or, you know, it's wherever that salad is, that's where you're going to find the bears. And um, it's, it's just, it's so different. Each topography, you look at some of the better time frames to hunt, say the north panhandle of Idaho or whatever. Um, you don't even think about hunting those areas until really like June, well into June, you know, that's when a lot of those upper elevations are, have cleared off and those little, those little pocket meadows up in those, um, deep, dark timber areas that each pocket meadow seems to have a bear at that time of year, you know? Um, and then the lower elevations, it's, it's way different. You can get really good hunting in, in mid-April to, to late April. Um, I, I know back in Washington State, sometimes the first part of um, middle of April there was the best times, and we'd find some really good bears uh, at that, in that time frame. Um, but you could get down into those lower elevations, you know, 3,000, 3,500 feet, and, uh, and that's where the bears would be. So every place is just so different. Yeah. But well, those pocket meadows have to be nice because you can, those are real easy to glass. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you're just sitting locked on those for a while until you see that black speck come oh, out. Oh, yeah. No, they pop. Yeah, when you get, when, when you get, like the mountain just starts to turn green sometime in May typically. And then, you know, eventually the whole dang mountain will be green. South slopes will start burning off. And you'll, um, one of the questions that inevitably seems to come up, Sam is like, where do you find the bears? Yeah. Like, what are you looking for on the maps? What are you looking for in your e-scouting? It's just so different. It's just not an answer that you can like blanket statement. Every place is so different. There's places that I hunt where I'm looking for nasty, craggy, rocky north slopes. Um, the south slopes burn off quick, and those bears tend to um, move quickly away from that and roll right back over into the slope that they were probably denned up on. And, um, and, and they'll just be in beetle kill areas. It's a great place to, to find bears because... Not quite enough light is getting in to burn it off, but enough light to grow a lot of green grass. Mm-hmm. And so um, every area is just so unique and different. And they each have their, their best times to, to be hunting it. And the elevations um, are different. So like I said, Montana, is, I kind of treat Montana as mid to late May. I don't even think about it early when it first starts off. Mm-hmm. And yet, like I said, there'll be places where guys go in and, probably kill bears right out of the gates it, it feels like and i mean you know like you said it's always the questions like okay where do i find them what are yeah you know it's because with like elk it's like okay you need the water food this mm-hmm. you know and with anything yeah you need bedding food right. and water yep uh any animal is going to be like that but i feel like with bears 
it's not as defined of a thing. It's yeah. It almost it, feels like you just gotta you gotta put on miles and mm-hmm. look for something that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can do a lot with your e-scouting. Um, you can find those little pocket meadows that are completely surrounded in dark timber. And, you know, if you know the snow line, you're going to know that that's probably going to be an area that greens up. And it's just yeah. going to be a salad bowl. You know, there's going to be balsam roots and everything else popping. And um, bears just love those things. But each each place is so different. Like, we used to focus in on wild onion areas back in Washington state. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even something I think about over here. I just don't find those areas, but, um, yeah, just every state, every range has got its own unique little, little tricks and things that you dial in over time. For mm-hmm. sure. It's just hard to speak broadly. Like this is where you're always going to find bears. Um, I could say that to a guy hunting Northwest Montana and he'd say, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, where I could say that to a guy hunting central Montana and, um, and it would work great for him, but it's just hard to, um, hard to really speak to all things the same. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal And when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you really cue in on, I mean, obviously, yeah, if you're seeing scat, there's barren fresh scat there's bear in the area are you really looking for those signs a lot or are you just more out here you know way out here well trying to see them from a distance or yeah one of my favorite things to do is um i really try to specifically go and hunt certain areas and those areas that i find on google earth a lot google earth really helps in in i think it helps in bears scouting more than almost other anything else um finding those those big vantages that overlook a crud ton of country. You know, and I love overlooking river drainages where there's a, a nasty north slope that's rocky. Maybe there's a ton of downfall. Maybe there's some burn to it. It's just ugly stuff. You wouldn't really want to spend much time on that north slope. That's going to be a great area for bears to den up, and they're going to be probably, um, you combo that with a little river drainage at the bottom and then maybe a, um, you know, more open south slope that's mm-hmm. out of the gates, right out of their dens. They're going to be in there feeding on those grasses. They need the grasses. And then uh, and they'll start finding those those like flowers and balsams and dandies and things like that. I love those type areas. I love where I can sit from a distance and just have a view of mass country like that. And sometimes with bears, you're you're literally seeing them and they're, three, four miles away, mm-hmm. and then you you might spend the next day getting there, and then you have to sit at a little better, closer vantage where you actually can make a play or, or be within striking distance. And then again, you're sitting there waiting for <laughs> them to come out, you know? Um, but getting those points that just cover a ton of country, I love that. And I'll sit there for days, and then uh, eventually you'll get an idea um, you know, of where there's a bear hanging out. And the, those first bears, when they first come out of the den, you know, they don't move too much. Um, 
sometimes they're they're just hanging in that first week too pretty dang close to that den and they almost feels like they're scared of their shadow they, oh. they're pretty they're just not willing to, to venture too far from it and it's then like they when you they wake start. up from a nap and you have no idea what year it is who, what your name is uh, yeah where yeah. you are uh, yeah well last year we watched a a younger um beautiful red cinnamon and this little thing every time is like a pine cone fell he'd get about 100 yards from where he was denned up in these rocks yeah, like a pine cone fall or a breeze would come through and he would just like sprint back right to those rocks and just bury himself and we wouldn't see him for an hour. And uh and then he'd come out again. It was pretty funny. But yeah, right at snow line, a real just gnarly thick north slope, covered in rocks and some patches of timber. Um that you know, that bear just they den in those type areas. But you know, the the goal is to try to try to find them in areas that, um, or in a time frame when you can actually go put a stock on them. Yeah. You know, times a year. Uh, you know, I like I said, I like I like chasing them when they're just out of the den. They just they'll give you time to get there. They'll they'll focus in on a nice little patch of grass sometimes, and they'll give you all day to get there. Or at least they're going to be consistent coming back to that little salad bowl. As you get more towards June um, and that rut starts to make them crazy and wander and, and the whole game changes. Like you may spot 10 bears, but maybe you couldn't even catch up to one of them because They're those the boars are cruising ridges and, and you just see them and watch them, watch them, watch them until they're gone. <laughs> you just never can get ahead of them. Well, um, sometimes, you know, you're lucky enough when you're focused on one, there's another one that you don't even see coming, running, t- running yep, into you, right? That happens too, <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially when you pull out the old game call uh, there end of May. Yeah, that can happen. Is <laughs> <laughs> what we had happen last year. Based on a true story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be, be very aware when you start ripping on um, game calls in fair country yeah. and uh distress calls distress and calf calls. calls yeah there's a time where they switch off the grass and and they're willing to go for meat and you know it's usually when those those calves start dropping or those you know fawns start dropping and um i tell you what like calling in bears is a, it's a hoot it's a yeah. ton of fun um but be on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, man, yeah, calling in an elk's pretty intense, calling in a bear. <laughs> well, and they have soft pads, and they, they come in quiet, and you have to see them. It's not like you're hearing typically. Mm-hmm. An elk comes running in or, you know, a moose, you hear that thing coming. Yeah. They're breaking down the forest to get to you, you know. Um, it's it's very it's unbelievable how those bears can just work through <laughs> and uh and you don't know they're there until they're there and like you said like you were alluding to sometimes even even during the trip you don't know they're there until you get home and realize that your camera picked them up and they were right next to you <laughs> <laughs> and for those for everyone that doesn't know what we're talking about uh you know, tell, talk a little bit about your yours and brian's film really quick that oh, one in yeah. particular and i can link to it on the show notes page for sure yeah, well, one of our hunts last year, we um, we we had seen this bear from a distance, glassed him up, and it was like an all-day approach to get up to where this bear was. And he's just a beautiful red, bright red coat, real unique. Um, called him Red Lightning. He just stood out, you know, big old thing. 
And we had got a little video of them, and, and it took us a long time to get to the top of where this thing was feeding. And in the process of doing that, we got up there, and um, we came across another real nice chocolate up in the same drainage. And uh, and we were really considering taking that chocolate, but this <laughs> red was just incredible. And we had a good idea of where it was, and it kind of slinked into some timber and it disappeared on us. And we, we figured, you know, it was, just, it was just bedded down for a little bit, and sometimes they'll bed down for a long time. So we got in a great vantage, and uh, inevitably this bear ended up coming back out. And so we made a play, and we raced over there, and we got above right where we thought he would be, and we were like, we just couldn't figure out, like, where did he disappear to? It's like, he, he just, who do you need us? And it's starting to get late, and we start rolling um, across the top of that, that mountain, and roll down a ridge, trying to stay out of the, out of the basin, and, and we picked up another, that chocolate. And so we race down, and Brian and I get set up, and you know, we're trying to size him up again, just seeing if he's, if, if this is the same one that we videoed before. And he was a you know, really nice bear. And, you know, this was a rifle hunt. This wasn't a bow hunt. So you put the, you know, the ear protection on and, yeah. and this bear was kind of moving through some, some down timber. And, uh, you know, I always carry a distress call around my neck to stop him. This, this happened to be a hunt and, Montana's loaded with grizzlies now. This was a hunt that I wasn't really planning on doing any bear calling <laughs> or distress calling because we got we had just seen a grizz that morning about 300 yards from where we were Ugh. now set up. That's right. You guys set up like mm-hmm. right in the spot where right you spotted them. that grizz. I forgot <laughs> right about above that. Them. But that bear wasn't stopping enough for me to get a shot. So I started ripping on that call. And, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, Brian's the film guy and he's like he's behind me and he's got the long lens down on the bear and then he's got the other lens kind of on me and um inevitably i just decide not to shoot that chocolate it's like you know what it's just it's not the bear for us um and so we uh were well how did that go so as soon as, as soon as i'm kind of making that decision you know, I hear something and I'm like, I'm looking over to the side and, you know, Brian's still got the cameras rolling. We can't see what's just over the hump. I've kind of got this old dead and there's like an old stump in front of me and I hear something and I kind of look around and I see this big old black bear that we hadn't even seen all day. We hadn't yeah. seen this bear on the mountain. And and I look over and that bear is already at like 35 yards and he is racing into us. Like he's flying and now he's coming in quick. And if I stand up and the only thing I can do is take the offhand shot. He's about 30 yards when I shot him and, um, ended up dumping that bear right there. The next time we would have sought him, if I wouldn't have got him where it was, he would have been at like I don't know, 20 feet, you know, yeah. when he would have came over the rise and he was, <laughs> you, would have only, been, you would have smelled him before he, he, he was coming right to that call. You know, he didn't, hadn't seen us. He's just coming right in for that call. So, um, we had a great trip overall. Uh, Brian ended up killing a great bear and I got that great bear and we ended up, uh, Brian's going back and he's doing some of the edits on the film. And 
he's looking at the footage and he picks up what we didn't pick up at the time. And that big giant red had actually, when I ripped on those calls and I'm looking for chocolate, you know, trying to decide yay or nay. Um, the first bear that came in was red. I mean, on a dime and he was flying. And so he, you know, he comes in and he comes right past, he took the same line where I had just shot that. I, after that I had shot the, the big jet black. And so we don't know how close he got, but we didn't even know until we got home and Brian put it on the computer Jeez. and actually saw that that big red had actually come in. But we were so focused down here. Yeah. It's just he hadn't made any noise. And when the big jet black came in just after red, he's, he stepped on a stick and it just like, oh, there's a bear right in front of us. But we never did. Uh, we would have never known without that film that red did come in and he had to be extremely close and he probably just got right next to us and, and smelled us and, yeah. and buggered out. But yeah, no, that was, it was shocking when Brian sent me the footage of <laughs> <laughs> old red lightning, um, coming in like that. And we had no idea. So yeah, head on a swivel, but do you ever wonder like when you're out, like how much of that stuff you do make? Cause it probably happens all the time. Most people aren't out there filming. You know, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they got their phone with them for a you know quick, yeah. quick little clip. You gotta wonder like what? how many times you're getting watched by a cat. Jeez, that's you know? what. That's what bears. Bears don't, for the most part, don't want to, even a grizzly doesn't want anything to do with you. With mm-hmm. a rare occasion, but like cats, probably watching you. Those scare me. Like <laughs> it, I, I shouldn't say scare me, but. More more than anything, everyone asks. I feel like that's the first thing people ask when they find out you're. Aren't you scared of bears? I'm like I'm, I'm wary of bears. I'm not scared of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cats make me a little bit nervous. You've probably walked up or under a couple of trees where there's been one looking down on you, just Could've sizing you up. <laughs> that's the nice thing about yeah. carrying those big packs. You, you look a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot tougher. It protects your neck a little bit too. <laughs> but yeah, who knows what we don't see? Um, how many elk come in quiet? probably quite a few um that's a guarantee you know cats bears they're super quiet so probably you're around more animals than you think but sitting there glassing focused on something and who knows how many bucks have walked up Mm -hmm. right behind you been like oh crap and took off and you just never even yep 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 so yeah moral of that story is um try to not do a whole lot of calling (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, number one in Grizz country, but if you do call, I love calling and I'll, I'll do it a lot this year. But, um, when you have the ear protection in, like be extra careful <laughs> uh, because yeah, sometimes they'll, they'll come in so fast that a little time to react. Well, those things can move. I mean, I think that's one of the first things like mm-hmm. when you learn how quick those big old roly poly they cover Things ground so can fast. cover ground. Holy crap. I used to spend a lot of time in Alaska, and we were around those big old, you know, brown bears a lot. And uh, you realize when you're fishing on one side of the river catching sockeye and a bear strolls up on the other side, how quickly they're covering ground. Or you see one on your side, and he's, you know, three, 400 yards downstream. Jeez. All of a sudden, he is on your fish like you better hop in the boat and push off and get out into the river they just they just have those long strides and they're deceptively fast well i mean in that video that that came out 
geez, I don't know. At this point, I don't know how long ago it was. I lost track of time. But down in Yellowstone, that grizzly dragging the elk, mm. effectively drowning it in the river. Yeah. Like, yep, yep. That was crazy, wasn't it? That was absolutely yeah, it was wild. was last summer that it did that. And then it kind of parked on, on the carcass there on the riverbank for a for long like time. Days. It, like, kind of half buried it, and it just mm-hmm. sat and yep. owned it for a while. But yeah. Brings you new respect, and I know people are probably sick of me telling this story, but I'll tell it again because I don't care. It's my podcast. Yeah. Um, but it's you know that was one of the first things that like like blew my mind about hunting. I'll, I'll, I'll always have a special connection with bear hunting because remember when I was first introduced to hunting, I was I think my brother was like inviting me along on a dove hunt or something dove opener, and so I was looking at all the regs and like how to get a license, and I just fishing game website and i'm like reading through the whole thing like an idiot um like because that's that's obviously the most efficient way mm-hmm. to figure figure things out is just read through the entirety of the fishing game regulations from start to finish yeah. um but uh that's confusing yeah i just remember reading through and i was reading about different seasons and i come across archery bear and i'm like and it pops up on my facebook memories all the time now it's like it uh uh, it's like I screenshotted it and I'm like, holy crap, people actually go and try and shoot bears with bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is also, I didn't have quite the understanding that I, one, I didn't realize that some black bears are about the size of a black lab. Mm-hmm. And also that, uh, you know, the difference, I, I'm thinking like, you know, a tra- homie in there with, a, you know, 20 feet with a trad bow right. versus a grizzly bear. That's like what it is in my mind, which happens. Oh, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, it was. Some people do that too. Some people take that route. It's it was one of the first things that captured my imagination about hunting. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to put it. And I think I'll always have a special connection with it. That's why I'm so excited about this year. Yeah, is I can really dedicate time to black bear this. I tell you what, like for folks that haven't gotten into it, I know there's a lot of like newfound spring bear folks. Uh, I see it in the messages. There's a lot of people with a lot of questions, and they're just just finding this thing, right? Well, you just posted some about it, and mm-hmm. didn't you get like 260 questions or something yeah. like ridiculous like that? I think I should ask a bear cry question, and I got 260 questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, man, there's some podcast material. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of people who traditionally have gone for deer, gone for elk. It's like a fall season thing. Like hunting is in the fall. That's when you do it. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of folks that are, realizing now like man there's this whole spring thing too it's not and it doesn't have to be just turkeys you got bears and um tell you what like it's it's quickly become over the years it's one of my favorite times it's one of my favorite hunts bar none i love mule deer hunting i love elk hunting but um i can't say i don't love bear hunting just as much yeah because you're getting up there time of year everything's coming alive um bears are just coming out of their dens you get to go into some just amazing places bears live in some incredible places just like big old crusty mule deer do and um and you you get to hunt an animal that is very unpredictable um as soon as you think you got them figured out they'll do something different and they just they'll just wander sam like there's no there's no patterning of a a black bear except for right out of the den they're pretty consistent they don't move too far and they'll go back to these sometimes certain areas to feed but then after that boy they're just like they'll wander they'll walk this way and then they'll walk that way and then they'll go back this way and for no rhyme or reason (laughs) they'll swim a river and 
they'll feed a little bit and they'll swim back on the river and they'll feed over there. And there's just, it's just really an odd animal, but well, they're, they're so fun to hunt. They've got such a personality. It's one of those animals that you'll see. They'll go out and they'll like play around in a river versus they like do some odd things. Yeah, yeah they're they just like a weird. A they're fun to watch. Like they're oh yeah, you, I could sit and watch bears all day. And um, but how can you hunt them? Yeah, they're well, so cruel. I respect them and they're fun to hunt. But you know what? Also, is they're very good to eat. I was gonna say they're even more fun to eat. <laughs> uh, it's and I can speak, you know, one hundred percent honesty for this. Our family, it's it's our favorite. Bear meat is the best. Um, and it even tops porcupine. It even trumps elk meat. Elk, uh, porcupine's pretty good. But I was going to say, I, I don't know. I've heard you talk about porcupine before <laughs> in your Christmas dinners. Yeah, but bear meat trumps all. And um, one of the best things about bear meat is it's it's almost hard to overcook. And that's some things that a lot of people don't think about is um, it's such a fatty meat. Yep. If it's a real lean game meat like a, like an elk or a deer, you know, you can overcook it and it's, it's not my favorite. It's kind of tough yeah. and it toughens out real fast. Bear meat, number one, you have to overcook it. You have to bring that that temperature in the center to 160, um, 165, and hold it for a few. And um, you can't have any pink. You know, trichinosis is real. Yeah. And I almost feel like every bear these days has it. But you can literally cook the snot out of that thing, crisp in the outside, and cook it until, like I said, 165 degrees in internal. And... You slice it up, and it's just this tender, moist, you know, fatty, rich piece of meat. And so you can be a terrible chef like, you know, a lot of us are. And, you know, we'll trigger up, um, you know, some some bear meat, and it just makes you look good. <laughs> and, uh, like, we'll throw – I'll do these bear roasts, and um, – We'll just throw the whole roast, even on the like the birch barrel. We'll we'll get that going, and we'll just sear the outside, and then I'll take that lid and I'll kind of set it up off of the flame a little bit, and just let that internal get to that one sixty five. And it's it's hard to beat, man. It really is hard to beat, and it's just so greasy. It's got a good flavor to it. You know, you get a lot of hunters that'll eat just about anything, and so many of them are like, I just won't eat bear meat. It's too greasy, and it's you know so often we cook. We get so used to we're like okay, what you makes can't a cook hamburger, a yeah. greasy burger or a dry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's well, it's like greasy burger. you can't cook an elk steak like you would a beef steak, and so we're so used to being like, oh, I have to undercook it, undercook it. Well, yeah, but then you go and do the same thing with bear. Like, of course, it's going to be greasy because it's got a giant fat content, and that's that's not like deer fat. That's not like fat. That's like like a baseball. No, it's, it, it's, <laughs> that's a, it's woven into the meat. Like it's, <laughs> it's in there. It's not just the fat that you're peeling off the back. Um, just the meat itself has more fat yeah. into it. Now, one thing you got to be careful of when you're storing bear meat, and maybe this is where folks have gotten the idea that it's not the best. Cause if you do try to long-term store bear meat, the fat does go rancid. Mm-hmm. That's how it works in the freezer. You don't have that long. I'd recommend trying to get that bear completely eaten in no more than five, six months. Really? The bear fat, um, you know, until it's rendered and cooked down, then it's stable forever. But just straight bear fat, you put that in the freezer, it'll turn on you. Hmm. And so bear meat doesn't last as long. And the freezer, like a lean 
um, wild game like venison, you know, deer, elk, it's so lean that, um, shoot, I'll pull those out three years later sometimes, and it's great. That doesn't work as well with with bear meat. Interesting. Now you can can bear meat, and you're solid. That's a way to hold... So that's one of the weirdest because uh, when I first stayed with you guys, like we had some bear burgers mm-hmm. and had some of that canned bear meat, and I'm like, this is the weirdest thing because uh, let's face it, it kind of looks like dog food. Yeah, it does. It, it like does. it does not. It's not an appetizing. It's it looks not. like something you know. <laughs> you remember the movie Seven? Seven with uh, uh, the, Morgan Freeman Brad and Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the cre- looks like something you like you'd walk into one of the crime scenes and it would be sitting in jars <laughs> on shelves. Yeah, it is not an appetizing looking thing. No. But holy that. crap, it's good. It's tasty. And it's so good. And it, the thing, when you can it, you know, number one, you cook the trick out. So no worries. Yeah. You know, if you've done your 90 minutes on the pressure canner, um, no worries about trick. And and it everything that you can is going to be moist and tender. And so any part of the bear that you can is going to be super tender, just like any other meat. Um, and... And yeah, you can just pull it out and it traps the fat in there. Mm-hmm. And so when you uncan it, like pop the top and then heat it up or toss it on some whatever, quinoa or potatoes t- or whatever you want to do, it's just got that fat already there and it, it doesn't turn on you like yeah. it does in just a freezer. Um, I think one of the best ways to preserve bear meat is just that, is pressure canner. There you go. For sure. Save a couple save a couple of steaks and grind for, for mm-hmm. immediate usage. Can the rest. Immediate usage, yep. Try to empty it out of your freezer. Save the save the deer and the elk for, for long term storage if you're if you're holding on to it for a while. But I'd I'd get rid of that. I'd cook that bear meat as quick as you can. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Because the knock on bear and I grew up with everybody telling me bear meat was nasty. Yeah. Is gross, you know, it's greasy or it's foul, it's got a funky taste. And I half wonder, like, is that funky taste from the storing method that they did? Maybe not taking the fat off enough or storing it too long or how they, you know, um, took care of it in the beginning, I think has a lot to do with it. Um, or were they hunting in an area where it's feeding on a crud ton of skunk cabbage or maybe even salmon? You know, you can get some off flavors from that. But if you're hunting, like, the areas that we're hunting, we're hunting bears that aren't feeding on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're just clean and chomping on. They're fattening well, up on huckleberries in the, yeah. in the fall season. I was going to say, in, like, it, there's a big difference. If you're you're hunting them, like, late fall season, something like that, where, you know, gut piles have been dropping from hunters for a while, yeah, it's going to probably pick up some of that flavor versus, you know, like you said, the ones that are fattening up on, on berries. It's like... Yeah, there's not much... I mean, you can't really find a better meat than like a late August, first week in September after they've been chomping on huckleberries for a couple of weeks because <laughs> they've fattened up so much. I mean, um, back in Washington State, it was almost hard to draw a spring bear tag. But you could pull, go down and grab two over-the-counter tags in the fall um, at any point as a resident. And so we'd be forced to hunt in August and into September, but that was the best time to get them because you, you literally find bears that were so round, you know, you're, you're digging five, six inches of through bear fat on their back to get to their back strap. And that fat 
you can render down and there's all kinds of things you can do with it but it's so really hard to beat that that, that flavor f- of that meat fat is like greasy it's not like again it's not like deer fat where it's like the, mm-hmm. almost the consistency of like a softball like mm-hmm. right that fat's yeah. like gre- how do you generally pack that out cuz that's got to make a mess with everything it does yep it really gets those game bags greasy so I mean, you <laughs> no just about it. it just you just kind of cut it off with the quarters and yep. goes into yeah, game bags. It, depending on what kind of hunt you're you're on, if you're on a, a big backcountry hunt, obviously you just treat it just like the other meat. You got to keep it really cool. Yeah, you know that fat and warm it leaches out real easily. Um, it'll go rancid on you quickly um, versus just the meat. But um, like everything else, like a lot of times. If I'm taking bone out, like if I'm, if it's not that tough of a pack out, you know, within a day we're I'm leaving bone in a lot of times and I'm just leaving that fat attached to the hind quarter mm-hmm. and bear hind quarters, you know, they're fairly short. You can get them in a decent sized game bag. They're not like a big, long, even mule deer leg. That's takes up a lot of space. They're pretty short and, um, I'll just leave it on now. If I'm going to be back there for a while, I will separate sometimes. I'll separate the meat from the fat, and I'll keep the fat in its own game bag, mm-hmm. keep that aside from it. And um, and that's just in case. Like, in case something starts to sour, I want that fat off of it. Yeah. But most times we're trying to get it out, you know, in a real timely manner. But, um, yeah, it will, if it's going to turn, it's going to be the fattiest piece. So are there any other considerations when you're uh – Skinning out, packing out a bear compared to, you know, like somebody that's just used to skinning out an elk or, mm. a, or a deer. Yeah, I think, I think you have to be a little extra cautious with keeping it cool. Um, like I said, it's, it doesn't do well, you know, over time with all that fat, but it also will go bad on you much quicker with that fat in the heat. So, you know, you could almost get away with a real lean meat like an elk quarter mm-hmm. hanging in a semi, I mean, not warm environment, but it's warm not out. Not really cold. Yeah, you're hanging it in the shade yeah. of a, it's in the shade mm-hmm. of a tree, but it's still pretty dang warm out. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. You'll be fine. You want to double down with bear. Um, really make sure there's no sun going to hit that game bag. Really make sure the temperatures are, you know, hopefully below 50. Um, find a cool stream or something. Find a stream. Yep. We've sunk. We always carry those contractor bags. And if you do have a Creek, double up those things and sink that meat in a contractor bag, make sure you submerge the whole bag. So some of the meat isn't up grabbing sun or anything like that. And that's worked really well for us. Um, but you just got to take extra precautions with bear. Uh, it, it will turn on you a lot quicker than the lean animals with that fat content. Let's say you're back for a few days. One of the other cool things with the bear is I think you may have just posted a story about this too, is rendering the the fat mm. out there in the field. You can take some of that fat and your Best meal that you'll ever have yeah. on the mountain is a fresh bear kill. Chunk up some of that bear fat. And you know, fall bears, you're gonna have more than you can even handle. Like you can get <laughs> you can get a dozen quart jars of bear fat rendered off of a, a really nice big fall bear. Springtime, it's 50-50. Some of them come out of the den, they're real thin. Um, not much fat to deal with. Some of them come out with a surprising amount after hibernating for that long. 
And, you know, oftentimes there's always enough. There's like just enough. So you take the whatever fat you can get off a spring bear and um, dice it up, small cubes, drop that into kind of a, a low heat, uh, whatever cookie you're running, whether you're a jet boil guy or MSR guy, something that'll toggle down pretty nice and low. Orange flame, not blue flame. Yep. And uh, just let that simmer. Um, and it's surprisingly quick how much fat you'll get off of that mm-hmm. uh, rendered fat, you know, liquid fat. And then we'll kind of scoop. Never those add little... any like water to that or anything. No, just straight fat. And and what that does, you basically just have a little deep fryer, you know, right in front of you. Now <laughs> that you got your, I usually take a little wider pot than some of those jet boil skinny ones. Yeah, those tend to be more of a. We well, get more of that boiling surface. water anyway, and yeah, yeah, and you find like uh, more of a minimo. I use that jet boil minimo. Yeah, got a fatter. Uh, can to it so you drop the fat in there you'll build up an inch of just hot fat cooking and then you'll kind of scoop those little um crispies the fat pieces out you can eat them they taste like popcorn um (laughs) we actually eat them because usually by that point we're pretty skinny and uh (laughs) we'll take whatever we can get and then you know you cut up some nice little thin um, cubes of bear and meat and drop it in and you just deep fry and again you deep fry the crud out of these things make sure yeah. they're cooked um, and that's the best meal that you'll ever have you know, do that with the heart like out oh, the yeah. field oh yeah. yeah all of it anything that you're willing to eat out there <laughs> um, if you got bear fat you know and you come across a grouse and same thing uh, deep fry grouse is hard to beat as well but if you have if you have bear fat to work with, you're you're golden. Nice. You're in, in for some pretty good, like really flavorful meals with that. So awesome. hard to beat. Oh, I'm looking I'm looking forward to this season. It can't it can't come quick enough for me at this point. I'm excited to I'm it's just been excited a long to get winter out, to be and honest. we're finally here. We're like I said, weeks away. So oh, yeah. getting those miles in every day, getting ready for the, the big mountains for, for spring bear. Well, and then just after bear season, we got Western Hunting Summit coming up. Yeah, yeah, we are wrapped up. Uh, our June is pert near filled with Western Hunting Summit. <laughs> yeah. We got uh, the first event kicks off June 10th, uh, goes to the 13th, and then the next weekend is another four-day event. The next weekend is another. So we kind of stacked them in that time frame. There's strategy there, you know, the weather yeah. tends to be somewhat good and, um it's also kind of just after bear season for most folks. And um, a lot of the presenters that I have at these, I don't want to like screw them out of their yeah. scout time for <laughs> mule deer, which is August. Um, and, I, you know, they got to make sure they're. They got to finish up their to, spring seasons and yep. get their scouting in. So, yep. really, you are definitely limited. To, it's like, unless you want to. I mean. Well, let's face it, the hardcore mule deer guys, they're scouting in July. Yeah. And definitely in August. Um, June is about it. Like, if you want to stay away from, we go up there now and, you know, be snow-filled, but that's not as fun as just June here in Montana is a good month. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's fairly warm. We'll have our rain days, but, um, no, this year we've got great presenters for each of the three events. Well, we're breaking it down a little differently this year Mm -hmm. from before it was elk, mule deer, bear. Right now, this this year it's more, and I think I think it's going to work a little bit better this this way this year. I 
I think it's going to be more relevant to people. Well, and I think I think there's I think people want to hunt everything. They want to be able to yeah. hunt and talk about bears, deer. People aren't necessarily now like I'm just an elk hunter or I'm just a deer hunter. Yeah. Now I think people are on to like man, he could have a ton of fun on a spring bear hunt and then do a little deer and then do maybe a little archery elk in September, a little deer in November. Mhm. So um, we broke it down to more of a weapon specific. And so that just allows us to speak to everything, you know, for the guy yeah. that's real comfortable, really not interested in bow hunting. Um, he could come to the first event, the June 10th event, and we're going to have some rifles for guys to, you know, shoot and play with and get education on proper form and all that. And then, you know, the presenters will be speaking to those type hunts, you know, yeah. more of like, uh, if we're talking about deer, we're probably going to be talking more about second half of October and November time frame, rut hunts. A little bit later season, because mm-hmm. that's when rifle typically falls. Right. Versus like our archery event, which is the last weekend, um, 24th through the 27th. That one we're going to be talking about. Probably a lot of September, you know? Yeah. Um, and then those, you know, we have presenters to match, like the Brian Barneys who are all in on archery. And then, um, you know, like, say, for a, or the rifle event, um, there'll be guys like, you know, Brady Miller mm-hmm. and folks like that. That, you know, none of us are purists by any stretch. Um, maybe Brian is more to just archery. But, like, I love hunting archery. I also love hunting rifle. I would grab a muzzleloader in a half a second if it put me in a pretty cool season. Yeah. And so, um, you know, a lot of the presenters that show up, if a guy shows up to a rifle event and he wants to talk archery, we're going to talk archery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, no, the events are cool because, um, you know, fairly small groups, we're able to speak to each person individually. And that's one of the keys, I think, this year. We want to make sure we have time for just conversations. It really feels like, I mean, it, you know, it's good-sized groups, but even with that, with how it's structured and the, the time that's allowed, and there's a lot of stuff going on, you get a lot of value, but it, you do feel like, you know, you can sit down and talk with you and Brian Barney or, you know, Jason Matzinger, and, like, everyone kind of hangs out, and that's yep. one of the cool things. Last year, a lot of the speakers just hung out. They're like, well, yeah. shoot, I want to sit down and listen to Brian Barney talk about archery. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, they'll do their presentation. They'll just hang out. And inevitably, if they're there, they're going to have a little circle around them of people asking them questions, which oh, yeah. is great. And I think a lot of the, the most valuable information to attendees comes from that. And so one thing we're focusing on this year is just that. We want time, uh, whether that's, you know, we're going to have some little fitness things, hike and um, work out and um, spending time on the 3D course for the archery event or the rifle mm-hmm. course for the rifle. There's going to be a time for people to really get to know each other and have those little one-on-ones with the presenters. Um, you know, when we cut out and Birch Barrel is there making our, our dinners and cooking over oh, the, the barrels, um, we're just going to be sitting around hanging out for the last few hours of all every evening and, and just trying to make sure that um, we get everybody's questions answered and addressed so and the other thing that's unique about this year is nobody's going anywhere we got them locked down to the ranch Mm -hmm. like the folks that attend are going to stay with us they're they're going to be camping with us there at the ranch um no hotels none of that well i think it's 
that's going to add so much, especially to the uh, end of day experience where it's you people aren't sitting there being like, ah, wait, you know, I got to get back to the hotel. Right. I got to get ready. You know, we're up early tomorrow. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot. I feel like it's going to be a lot more relaxed since everybody's going to be there. Yep. You know, you're walking 200 yards or whatever, you know, to, to your tent or your trailer or where, you know, whatever you're staying in. Right. And it's, it's going to allow people to stick around a little bit longer and, mm-hmm. and swap stories. Yeah, we're and, all going to be eating breakfast together, lunch, yeah. dinner. Um, we're all basically going to be camping in the same big pasture right alongside the, the ranch there, ranch house. And, um, yeah, I think, I think there'll be a lot of friendships made from just the attendees. Mm-hmm. And I know from the past events that we've had, you know, there's been um, a lot of friendships made and, you know, hunting buddies that are now hunting together from the events that we've had in the past. I mean, I still talk with a lot of people. You know, I wasn't an official attendee last year. You know, I was kind of in and out, but I still talk with a lot of the people that I encountered. I mean, mm-hmm. a, a bunch of them. And people, I mean, it's people from everywhere. Everyone, I know a lot of people just kind of assume it's like, well, it's just going to be a bunch of like Montana and Wyoming people. And <laughs> Not then at all. A bunch of Ryan's friends from Wyoming. I mean, no. I mean, Tons of people from California and Texas we had eight, and Colorado. 18 and, different states last year. Yeah. People came from kind of all over. Um, yeah, we had a lot from Washington, Oregon, California. And then we had them from everywhere, from Texas to Pennsylvania and everything in between. Very oh, yeah. few, actually, from the state of Montana. Um, this year we have a few more already signed up. Um, we've got more gals signed up this year than we've had in the past, which is great mm-hmm. to see. Uh, we have, you know... Um, one of the gals that's going to be speaking, uh, Alicia, she's a rock star of a, of a hunter. She's great. She's going to be coming in and she's a local gal here from, from Bozeman. Um, she's going to be talking about nutrition and things like that. She's just a, I got to meet her powerhouse at the, you know, she kind of hung out a a few days at the event. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to say the first event, I, I forget the if the first one was elk or mule deer, but she hung out a few days and I got a chance to sit and mm-hmm. talk with her. She's, she's awesome. She's got some great stuff going on. Yep. She's, she's fit. Number one, oh, very yeah. fit. <laughs> and she knows how to hunt very well. She's got a lot of success because of it. She's a hard worker. Um, and she's great at the nutrition side as well. So mm-hmm. full package there. So she's going to be there, um, hanging out and helping and, and talking and, um, yeah, we're hoping to draw more ladies in as we move these things forward and yeah. keep growing them. Well, I mean, you know, we're what recording this end of end of March, twenty fifth, the day we're recording this, and I mean, it's it's close. I mean, Getting we're close. running out of. <laughs> I think we've we've had a couple of purchases since then, but like last I checked, we were down to. I mean, archery sold out, combo sold out, um, fast, yeah. and we were down to like last I checked, we were down to ten. I you know, we were talking earlier, we've had a few sales since then for mm-hmm. rifle and, um, yeah, so there's not many spots left. There's a few spots left. Um, so no, it's been great. Love seeing, you know, the interest this year was cool to yeah. see when we had that pre-sale. It, it blew me away how many folks jumped right on that. And, and prior people that have already been to past summits, there's been a lot of folks that have not just been to one, but two or three and a mm-hmm. couple guys have been to four, which is nuts. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> giving people a look behind the glass, you know, I, I help you manage the email list and mm-hmm. I go through and I was just kind of cleaning it up and like looking at the different years attendees and 
and tagging them and being like, okay, this person, you know, is 2019, 2020. Yep. This one's 20. I'm like, there's a lot of people with like three or four tags on here that have. <laughs> yeah, surprising, right? I never would have guessed it. I mean, if that tells you about it, and, and even some of those people that came last year came to multiple events. Right. They came to two or three yeah, events. Yeah, guys that came to Mule Deer and Elk or Elk and Bear or, yeah, yeah. it was a mixed bag. I mean, that's the same year. It tells you something about the event. It's, it's, just, it's such a mix of everything because it's, like, it's, it's not just the speakers and it's not just like the camaraderie. It's, it's that whole mix of everything. That makes it such a cool yeah unique event yeah and that's kind of what we were hoping for is um you know a community here of people that can bounce ideas off and um you know if anybody who's attending has questions at the event or outside of the event or after the event you know they've got our numbers and they got our contacts Mm -hmm. and we we can try to help anybody and everybody out but yeah we definitely made a lot of lifetime friendships already and uh, definitely going to have a lot more. I'm, I'm going to be hunting with um, a gentleman this year who has been to two or three of the events. Uh-huh. Uh, hunted with a gentleman last year that I met at the first event. Um, we went down and killed a couple of elk together. That was cool. Nice. And so, no, it's a good group. I think a lot of like-minded people. And, and again, I think uh, folks are probably going to meet people who are similar in where they're at maybe in the process of learning or there's guys that show up that are very new. There's guys that show up that have done this for 10 years. Maybe they're there for the experience. Maybe they're there for the fun, a little bit more education. Um, It's hard to say, but it's a wide range for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, hopefully, you know, this will come out in probably about two weeks or so, something like that. And mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows at that point if there will be any spots left, any yeah. spots left, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I don't know if people are listening to this, want to go, there might be, might be one or two left to grab. So, yep. I know it's funny. We haven't talked about it much for the longest time. We <laughs> did a pre-sale and then we were like, man, that was crazy. Sold out two events and we just kind of dropped it. We didn't even talk about it. <laughs> and they were like, you know, we have a handful of spots here. Maybe we should talk about it. Yeah, there but, we go. But, uh, well, go either check. Either way, it's, I'm looking forward to it. Hill look, is looking forward to it. Um, Hill will be there as well talking if people have questions. Usually, here's what happens, Sam, if Hill's at an event. And you probably know this. Oh, yeah. Um, guys will come up to Hill and then, like, what's the, what's the one thing? a doctor and a bunch of guys like testosterone oh yeah you say the t word <laughs> all of a sudden health. everyone's like ears yeah, like, men's health inevitably if i ever walk by hill and she's got a crowd around her at one of these events <laughs> a bunch of dudes talking about testosterone and, and where they're at or her issues but she'll be there educating and uh, mm-hmm. talking through that health well make sure if you're listening go check out westernhuntingsummit.com Absolutely. Good luck getting a pass. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. All right. All right. So folks want to follow along, all that good stuff. Where are they finding you? On the IG, it's the Healthy Hunter, Stealthy, S-T-H-E-A-L. I think, I th- okay, and I'm, I'm going to throw, Josh is probably going to listen to this, and he's going to, uh, one of my guys, Josh, I remember the first time he asked me, he's like, 
is it like Saint Healthy? Saint Healthy. <laughs> um, and he's probably, he's probably, I'm probably going to get a message from him. He's going to give me some grief about yeah. calling him out on that. But yeah. So yeah. Stay Healthy, Saint Healthy. And I don't even know if it's stealthy or stay healthy. I don't even know. But it's somewhere I mean, in there. ST. I see. I can't even spell stealthy normal anymore because <laughs> I know they throw an H there's, there's no H in there. So like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's your brand. You can pronounce yeah. it how you want. But well, when I have to explain it to people, it's always stay healthy. Yeah. So that's how I say it just so they know. <laughs> stay healthy hunter um, on the IG. And then, yeah, we've, um, we've got our own podcast as well. Hunt Harvest Health. That my wife really hosts most of these days. <laughs> she's uh, she's the educator on that one. Um, but uh, and then yeah, WesternHuntingSummit.com. If you have any questions about that, well, give a give a shout out to to Healthy Nutrition as well. Oh yeah, yeah. We got a lot of we got a lot of dot coms going on. So there's the StealthyNutritionCBD.com if you're interested in CBD or gosh, we got a. There's a whole, I mean, you guys expanded the now. line over the past yeah. few months, seriously. Yep, we're getting ready to drop some more gut health uh, supplements on there. That has been one of the most um, successful. My wife did a gut health restoration program years ago, and that thing has been downloaded a ton. And so um, we're adding some of those subs to our lineup as well, along with the the krill omega oil and the turmeric and the probiotics and those along with all the CBDs. All the good stuff. All the things. Get all the products. You guys got a bunch of articles on there as well. Health. Recipes galore. Recipes, nutrition, all of that, all of that good stuff. But um, awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad we, glad we got to make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's we're, a lot easier of a like, trip nowadays. We're one town away here. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, we're pretty close. There we go. All right, y'all. That'll do it for this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes page on the wildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this podcast inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from The Wild Initiative family, and more. 